Hello and welcome, dreamers, to yet another episode of the Dreamcast Years podcast. Uh, my name's Andrew, and I'm going to waste no time today in introducing the fine gents who join me in our look back of the year 2004. Um, as ever, I am joined by someone with a beard. Unfortunately, uh, the one who probably hasn't played that game is unable to join us today. However, the other, who probably has a strong opinion about that game, is raring to go. Uh, so which is which? Uh, well, if I've only got one introduction to make, so it's going to be fairly obvious. Hi, Steve. How's Hello. it going? Hi, hi. <laughs> hi, I'm very well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm very good. Um, yeah. It's been good. I've, I think we've both seen friends over the last couple of days, which is you, the first time in a long time. Yeah, kind of crazy. Had actually, human interaction. I know. Actually ventured out into the post-apocalypse and did some social stuff mm-hmm. for the first time in months and months, which was jolly nice. A little bit unnerving at times, but jolly, yeah. very nice. Uh, well, at least you did it. And um, I know that Rich has actually seen somebody in the flesh today as well, because uh, Ben... Uh, from the cross players went over to drop off some Dreamcast uh, parts uh, so that Rich could mod his Dreamcast for him. So uh, uh, although he couldn't be with us, um, he's, uh, yeah, at least he's seen somebody today, which is nice. Nice to know. Um, (laughs) So um, we enjoyed having an American on so much the last time around that we figured we'd do it again. Um, He's young, ambitious, and he's friends with Andy Dick, for crying out loud. Um, I'm no shadow stalker. I just happen to be friends with this mega guy. Uh, So let's zoom in and find out who our guest is today. Uh, It's the founder of the Zoom platform and the Jordan Freeman group, uh, who are developing the game Shadow Stalkers and Mega Race Deathmatch. It's the wonderful Jordan Freeman. How are you? I'm great. And thank you very much for that intro. And great to meet you, Steve and Andrew. It, it, it's been a long time, Pleasure. but it's great yeah. to be back. Yes, awesome. Yeah, we've known each other for goodness, like over a year now, I guess, isn't it? Since we kind of first met and over the first book campaign, right? I think so. Maybe even a little longer than that. But uh, time flies when you're having fun. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I thought I'd just take a few minutes to uh, get some more information from you uh, about some of the projects that you're, do- that you're working on. Um, I kind of want to start with Zoom Platform because, um, I-, I mean, it'd be interesting for our listeners to know a little bit more about um, what that is and how it came about, perhaps. Uh, sure. Well, uh, basically, when I was 16, I-, I-, I knew what I wanted to do and I wanted to figure out a way to do it by bypassing school. Wasn't the biggest fan of school and didn't do particularly well. Uh, so I, I figured, you know, um, I had seen this uh, TV show called G4 Icons. They interviewed a, various titans in the industry, and uh, they promoted an author named Stephen L. Kent, who had written The Ultimate History of Video Games, which is one of my favorite books and is literally a must-read for anyone wanting to get into the industry. And I saw him interview and talk to a guy named Bernie Stoller, who... Uh, for the interview, or excuse me, the episode was talking about his time with the Dreamcast and being president of Sega. Obviously, you guys mm. are well aware of that. And I mm-hmm. said, man, mm-hmm. this guy knows what he's doing. I, you know, I, I really wish he could have continued his vision of Dreamcast and maybe it would have, you know, lasted a little bit longer. Uh, what Bernie did as president of Sega was unbelievable. The Dreamcast was so far mm. ahead of its time. Uh, if you look at um, SegaNet, that's Xbox Live before Xbox Live. Sonic Adventure had downloadable content before that was even a thing. You had MMOs like Fantasy Star Online. He was in talks even to bring an early version of World of Warcraft to Dreamcast. So there's just so much uh, that obviously happened, but so much uh, 
untapped potential as well that, that could have been. So he was at a company called Get Fugu at the time, which was a mobile firm. And I, I pitched to him the idea that I thought games were going to be a lot like vinyl records. People would want to, you know, rehear the classics. You think of it like music, right? Uh, you know, people, they love the Stones, Howlin' Wolf, you know, Buddy Guy, uh, Muddy Waters, those kind of things. And then you have kind of hidden gems, say like a guy like Iggy Pop or the Stooges or even the New York Dolls that a lot of people didn't know about necessarily uh, at the time when they should have been big, especially the Stooges. Uh, but they became more popular later on. And I thought the same could mm-hmm. be applied to games. And Bernie said, uh, well, tell you what, I, I like what you're saying. Why, why don't you come meet me at my office in San Francisco? And I said, sure. Uh, he goes, well, are you free Thursday? And, you know, pretending like I actually had a schedule. Yeah, let me check. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I can do that. Uh, so immediately <laughs> as I hung up, I'm, you know, I'm on orbits and uh, trying to figure out, you know, a good flight. And I only had enough money to basically fly in at five in the morning and fly back at 11 at night. So I figured, okay, I, maybe I can pull this off. So I met with him. Uh, it, it was just a great meeting. I was like, oh, man, this, this is going really well. And then I'll be honest, I, I got scared out of my mind at one point because about 45 minutes in, he tapped the table and said, look, I, I've heard enough. And uh, there was kind of an awkward pause there. And he goes, I'm in. <laughs> and then I, I wow. huge sigh of relief. So we've worked together ever since. Uh, we've worked, some of our first stuff was working with uh, Microids, who you probably would know later as Animan Interactive, and now they're back to Microids. Uh, we helped re-release the original Mega Race titles, uh, Rebellion with Aliens vs. Predator Gold Edition. We did a number of those releases, a lot of them white label, uh, meaning wasn't particularly advertised. So one of the things we decided later is, you know, it would be really nice. Well, I guess we kind of always wanted to do it, but we kind of were thinking we'd have to raise capital to build our own platform, our own portal. And uh, eventually I said, you know what, Bernie, I think maybe I can teach myself some of this and I can find some guys. Maybe we can do this, you know, for a bit lower budget than we're thinking here because a lot of the people we talked to didn't seem to get it. So Mm -hmm. we built Zoom Zoom Platform and uh, launched that in 2014 and um, you know the eventual goal after that was to make our own games and again it was another instance of you know trying to explain to people what it is uh, the the talent in terms of Hollywood certainly got it because it's being done like a TV show uh, Shadowstalkers in particular where you have different guest stars in each episode and you know you have some comedic storylines some serious mm-hmm. ones and um, it's grown very organically um, you know we're we're self-funded and uh, it, it's it's been a it's been a it's been a blast and um, we're looking forward to putting those games out there and what the future holds yeah that's really exactly. that's really amazing yeah I, I love that your story <laughs> starts with so I just called by Bernie you know and just had a chat with him it's like wow <laughs> That's ballsy. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it's a great term. Ballsy, crazy, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> well, apparently not crazy because it worked. But anyway, in terms of finding me, yes, uh, please visit our website, zoom-platform.com. Again, that's zoom-platform.com. Instagram, it's Jordan Freeman, J-O-R-D-A-N-F-R-E-E-M-A-N, 2201. I only spell Jordan and Freeman because those are spelled a, a multitude of ways. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's Twitter, Zoom platform, Facebook, Zoom platform, all that good stuff. Uh, we have a Discord as well, which you can access through our main website. 
and uh, I think that's uh, I think that's about it. Oh, uh, there's something you might like though. Actually, my grandfather was Gordon Freeman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> awesome! That is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Very I nice. was trying to think of how I work that in here somewhere, and I think that's a pretty good way to do it. Oh, well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. So um, I guess let's move on to the year that we're all here for. Um, so. Jordan, hold on to your hat because I'm about to run down um, what was going on here in the UK in 2004. And there may be quite a lot of song puns. Um, so um, maybe get comfortably numb uh, until I've gotten them all out of my system. Um, mm, <laughs> be mm. ready. I, I, I apologize in advance. I, these are very tenuously linked. Um, <laughs> no need so... to apologize. I'm having a blast. Look, I, I felt I was rambling, so <laughs> don't, oh, don't you thought you were rambling. Here I go. I'm going to start. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> no. Yeah, don't, don't don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're back from in the shadows, uh, and I may uh, be just a little tipsy. Um, I'm drinking gin. Um, sorry if you felt left outside alone, but dry your eyes, mate. Uh, because we're here. Uh, that's five puns already, by the way. And I'm sure by now you just want to, uh, you just want me to leave, get out. Uh, but you know what? I'm not going to leave right now. Uh, I've got a show to do. Anyway, um, it's my prerogative. So F U R B. Who's David? I don't know. But I'm joined by a Steve and an American idiot. Sorry, Jordan. It's the puns. Uh, they made me. Uh, they made me do it. Um, it's insane. Um, should I get on with the show? Fine, okay. Uh, I know you're getting sick and tired of this. Um, what are you waiting for? I hear you cry. Uh, nothing, because I've run out of puns. Uh, send your best guess for how many song titles I just managed to fit in there uh, to at Dreamcast years. Um, probably quite a few. I think that I haven't counted. My guess that was is good. too many. Too many, yeah. I may need to scale back in future, but I just kind of pick them out and put them into something that loosely resembles a, a paragraph of words um so what was going on in 2004 let me tell you there's no song puns left I've, i'm all out um so you can relax now um in july um in 2004 the unmanned cassini hugens spacecraft finally arrived at saturn um, Parliament here in the UK banned fox hunting uh, in November of this year, finally bringing to an end one of the nation's cruelest pastimes. Well, making it much harder to take part in, I guess, anyway. Um, 2004 was a leap year. Um, so is 2020. Uh, spooky. Um, and in April, uh, Prime Minister Tony Blair announced a change in government policy by agreeing to a referendum on the proposed EU constitution. Simpler times. Simpler times. Um, <sighs> the bird flu H5N1 spread through Asia in this year, uh, worrying many. If only they knew. If only they knew. <laughs> um, lots of, uh, lots of uh, things that were similar in 2004 than to this year. Um, notorious serial killer Harold Shipman committed suicide in his cell on the 13th of January. I always, oh, always like to put something fun in there. Uh, <laughs> didn't 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 you bring up Harold 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 Shipman once before on this uh, on this show? Maybe twice. I don't know. Maybe twice. But <laughs> interesting name. Yes. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Sorry. I do, I, I do I do enjoy a good uh, a good murder documentary. So maybe that's maybe that's why. Um, moving on. Born this year uh, was actress Millie Bobby Brown, uh, who was born on the nineteenth of February. Uh, now, of course, famous for playing Eleven on the hit Netflix show Stranger Things. Um, 
music wise now jordan this is uk music um so unfortunately you're gonna hear a lot of crap but we do well, have I, I, i'm the probably the biggest stones mick jagger fan so believe me that's I love it. <laughs> I mean, there's there's definitely none of that in this, oh. unfortunately. So the the, t- the top ten songs of 2004 in the UK, I'll do them in uh, in reverse order. Number ten was Michelle McManus uh, with All This Time, uh, Pop Idol winner, of course, of that year. Was it X Factor or Pop Idol? I can't remember. Mm. Maybe X Factor. <sighs> yeah, I don't remember either. Um, number nine was Three of a Kind with Baby Cakes. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Gosh. That was terrible. Uh, number eight. It was. Uh, yes, it really, really was. Uh, I've got it in my head now. Um, number eight was Mario Winans, I think, uh, featuring Enya and P Diddy. Uh, I don't want to know. I can't remember this song. I think I'd remember a song that had Enya in it. Yeah. That was. I don't know. Um, number seven um, was Khalees with Milkshake. That was a pretty good song. I like that one. Um, mm-hmm. Number six was uh, one half of what was a really weird kind of double act uh accidental double act which was f-u-r-b um or fuck you right back by frankie uh that was number six and number five was usher featuring lil john and ludicrous yeah um number four dj casper the cha-cha slide i don't even know what that is the cha-cha slide you don't you know oh is it the slide to the left right, crisscross <sighs> yeah that one more more trash <laughs> yeah, more trash it was really really was trash um Number three, bit of Anastasia, uh, left outside alone. Uh, number two, now is it Eric Prids or is it Eric Prides? I never know how to pronounce that one. No idea. Prids, Prides, uh, Call on Me. It was a big dance tune of that year. And number one, somehow, was the other half of the weird novelty act, and I don't think they ever released anything other than this ever again, which was Eamon uh, with Fuck It, I Don't Want You Back. Um, so lovely, <laughs> sweary songs in the top 10 of the uk proving Man, that we're i like edgy. their brutal honesty yeah yeah that's yeah, very true there was this whole thing going on right because the the amon song came out and then frankie who was apparently his ex-girlfriend retaliated with her own like diss track and it's like why do we care why do we care about who these people mm. are and why they're doing mm. this i don't know i don't know um so what else we've got so we got new albums this year from the likes of emma bunton uh alanis morissette bjork and lost profits oh dear um probably shouldn't mention lost profits oh um we'll pretend i didn't say that uh movies (laughs) such as harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban uh spider-man 2 and the passion of the christ were released uh and on tv uh we were seeing shows debut like the x factor doc martin uh, which is coming to an end this year if anybody watches that I, I, i don't um and in america we had things like lost house and entourage that came to air for the first time may i throw in a movie go for it yeah there's a very very good movie it's basically a remake of to catch a thief and i'm not just saying this because pierce is in it uh he, he does great though so does salma hayek woody harrelson it's called after the sunset it's a brett ratner film it's a great kind of romantic comedy kind of heist caper and it sold me on where i want to be when i retire because it's all in the bahamas you know there nice. the caymans wherever it's 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 a it's a trip it's a great film so just wanted to throw that's also 2004 so just wanted to throw nice. that in there very nice <laughs> thank you oh nice. don cheadle's in it too i i forgot about it. don, don cheadle oh, right. very good cast yeah that's a very very good cast yeah, yeah it really is um awesome so um well what about games uh well we're just about to get into that now so as ever uh, we'll chat about the games that i've got in front of me and decide if they were game changers just games or a bit shit um so <laughs> 
let's get down to it. We're going to start with a pretty big one, actually, I think. Um, so the first game on my list here came out on the PS2 on the 29th of October here in the UK, and that was Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Um, I mean, this. I mean, we've talked about GTA 3 in this podcast. We've talked about Vice City in this podcast, and they've always kind of been very well received. We all loved them, and we thought they were, they were huge and very important games. Um, mm. I mean, I'll come to you first, Steve. GTA... Mm-hmm. San Andreas was was this as big as those games? Uh, yeah, this was bigger than those games. This yeah. was <clears throat> this this game was uh, incredible. I don't know. I it's um, I don't want to use too many uh, superlatives, but it, it was it was it was the best Grand Theft Auto. Uh, it, it they took everything that they learned from GTA Three and everything that they learned from Vice City and crammed it into this one, but then also piled a bunch of stuff on top of that. It took place in an entire state instead of just in one city. So there were three cities. Yeah. Uh, Three cities and like a rural like town with a massive mountain in it that you could climb up and uh, ride down on a dirt bike. Um, It had so many systems, systems upon systems. Everybody's dream game back, back in the day was like something that you could simulate real life. Uh, you could have like a second life in t- inside a game, and this game tried to do that. Mm-hmm. So your main character had—I uh, don't think you had like a hunger meter, but you could eat. You could go into restaurants and order food to get your health up. You could go to the gym to uh, change your physique and become stronger and faster. You could change your fighting styles by training at dojos. You could buy properties. You could buy and mod cars. This game was absolutely insane. I waited up till midnight to go and buy this, and uh, I was obsessed with this game for a very long time. It It was the pinnacle of gaming back in the day how old were we in 2004 steve like i feel like we were like 16 but we definitely weren't right no we were (laughs) older we are old men man we are old men plenty old enough to play this game in 2004 2004 we oh we'd have been 20 right 20 yes yes yeah right okay yeah that makes sense i thought like for a second i was like picturing you waiting outside at midnight to buy an 18 rated game and i was like he was too young, surely. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I'm just underestimating how old I am. Um, <laughs> Jordan, um, what, what are your thoughts about San Andreas? Well, I was 12 and I wasn't supposed oh, to be playing it, okay. but I played it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. found, I, you know, Hollywood video, you know, they didn't really check ID. But in any <laughs> case, instead of beer at the time, that was more my thing. But uh, regardless, uh, that was a watershed moment for me. Not only was it this incredible game, you know, with this giant open world, it, it had so much character. It it opened the door to me on so many things. First off, in America, it might not have been the same there. I don't know. They had a 30-second TV spot with Welcome to the Jungle. And that was the first time I had mm-hmm. heard Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. And when I heard Axel, that was just... It changed my life. I mean, that I had always been into music, but I had never heard anything with that much of an edge before. This is before I, you know, I discovered Iggy Pop. I kind of worked my way backwards, um, mm. and it was just incredible to hear "Welcome to the Jungle." But then I started playing the game. You know, you get into the characters, but and you know, you love the story and you know, being able to do whatever you want. But to me, the radio stations were just as cool. I, I discovered so much music. I heard Bowie for the first time. Axel's actually a DJ mm. in the game, by the way. He's the DJ on KDST oh, yeah. Dust. And they had uh, somebody up there likes me from Young Americans from Bowie. Uh, they had Young Turks from Rod Stewart. 
uh, Woman to Woman by Joe Cocker, which is incredible. Uh, just some great tracks on there. Billy Idol, White Wedding, and, of mm-hmm. course, Jungle. And then if you went to Radio X, that was Radio X where you'd hear Jungle. And another song I heard on there was the first time I ever heard Stone Temple Pilots. And I heard the song Plush. And I went, God, this is amazing. It sounds like that Velvet Revolver mm-hmm. guy. And that's kind of how I figured out Wyland. So then I started, you know, going around the thing. And I swear, this is literally how I discovered everybody almost. I go to um, one of the talk radio channels. I think it's WCTR. And I hear Gardening with Maurice, which is Andy. And, oh, um, yeah. You know, oh, right. He's, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's doing that. And then there's talk of uh, there's these two guys. They're being interviewed on that same channel about how they had a radio show, but they got fired uh, for sex in a church. It was a prank. Like, they had to, people go have sex in a church, and they got fired, which is a real thing that happened to Opie and Anthony, and it's them talking. Opie and Anthony <laughs> later with Patrice O'Neill, Jim Norton, and um, – even Bill Burr, I think they were all in GTA four. But uh, you know, this is how that got started in San Andreas. So I kind of, it was like, uh, again, I'm 12. It's kind of weird to say it, I guess, but it's almost like a puberty moment because like all the adult stuff I'm into, I discovered through that game. So anyway, (laughs) without without boring you too much with, with my story on it, that that's how great and how significant that game was to me. Yeah. Wow. That is, uh, that's pretty, like you said, watershed moment kind of fit, figuring all that stuff out but i mean i'm i i kind of i mean i i heard everything you said but the 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 thing that stood out to me was that you were 12 and uh i thought i felt old before but thanks jordan you've made me feel older still (laughs) um but yeah no it's i mean it's gta is one of those games that i mean you kind of had to i mean all the kids had to have gta right like even though me and steve were 20 i mean when gta 1 gta 2 came out that was the kind of games that we were playing around the age of what like oh yeah it's genius marketing i mean you know it's like playstation the target age is 19 i mean if you're 25 you really want to be 19 again if you're 12 you wish you were 19 i mean it's brilliant and uh, <laughs> that's how you get to everybody but it is i mean you're right in terms of the fact that the music in that game is great and and gta games have always been fantastic for music i mean and, and, I yeah, music think... and, and the voice talent they've just always knocked yeah. it out of the park absolutely um but yeah i mean uh, th- being honest san andreas i think i didn't spend a huge amount of time with i think it i think it was too big for me like i felt like i it was i felt like i was yeah, it felt like it was too big. Like I had that same feeling with GTA Five, which is obviously set in the same locale, pretty much. Um, and maybe it was the locale that didn't gel with me, because um, mm. I seem to do fine with Liberty City games. So I, you know, GTA um, Three was fine. I absolutely adore Grand Theft Auto Four. I think it's an amazing game. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's that wide open space or something. Well, you're not... more you're more a New York guy than an LA guy. Apparently. Oh, I'm uh, yeah. sorry. I mean, uh, San Andreas and Liberty City. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I maybe will that's, say this uh... though: you can get around uh, San Andreas a hell of a lot easier than LA. Let me tell you that. I bet. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> the traffic so. is horrendous. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, in San Andreas, you can just like hop into a helicopter or something, right? Or just uh, just bash your way through the traffic. It's. Uh... It's not exactly a big deal, but I mean, it, it did have that. You can't do that in real life. Um, it did have that um, feeling that you could go out anywhere and do anything, um, which was awesome, but also kind of put me off slightly in terms of, I, I, I think I like the focus stories of things much more. And I guess that maybe it did, did it have that focus story if you really looked for it and wanted to do it? I felt it did. So the, Oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say the other thing that was interesting was, uh, you know, you were saying earlier... Uh, uh, how uh, 
you know, you had to work out to get in shape. I think that you, you, one of the annoyances for a lot of people, though, is you'd kind of get fat. You'd have to work out, you know? That's like, true, yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, go ahead. Um, but, I mean, like, like becoming fat was just an option. Like, I think everyone became fat at least once just to see what happens because uh, <laughs> the character model changes and I, I think maybe, like, some of your fighting moves change slightly as well but the the it's just a game full of stuff to play around with and experiment with uh, but in terms of the scale i think the game i seem to remember the, the game being quite clever in how they handled it because initially you are in LA, uh san andreas um no what's the name of the city it's called san andreas it's, it's los santos yeah, san andreas, right? los santos yeah los, los santos kind of sorry yeah so um, and Samuel L. Jackson is the police chief and he's said to you, uh, don't leave town. Uh, and that's if you try and leave town, you get hunted down by police and killed. Um, so it's all it's all sort of contained. You sort of move on and then you get exiled from that city to the rural town area and you can't leave there. And it, so it does a pretty good job of, of rationing out the map slowly rather than overwhelming you completely from the beginning. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can see why the size could be intimidating, but I, I just, it just blew my mind. I liked flying a 747 from Las Vegas back to La, uh, Los Santos and that just felt awesome. Uh, you could also just get on a plane, uh, you could get on a train to travel between cities. It just, it felt like once you leave Los Santos, Los Santos was still there, stuff was still ha happening there mm -hmm. and it just felt the closest to sort of being like a real world kind of feeling that a game had had up to that point what was so i mean first of all so there's three cities so there's obviously i don't know what they called las vegas in this game i know so san andreas is the state um los santos san, is san fiera or something san i don't i don't remember. what was the third city was that san francisco or san francisco yeah right so the equivalent to that but then the thing that got me i guess is the late game stuff which is the whole gang territory thing right where you had to mm -hmm. you had to do um, basically have you had your gang by that point and you had to take over territory in various areas in the cities that's right that yeah. that felt like a lot to me like it felt like okay you do all this story stuff and then on top of that you also have to make sure that you take take over all this territory which could be taken back right i think it was like constant back and forth from what i recall from what i saw that's right yeah yeah so you could get a notification telling you that one of your territories is being attacked and you'd have to zip over there sharpish mm. to uh to deal with that which I do remember that being a little frustrating, but you can get to a point where you own the territories and they stop being attacked, I'm pr pretty sure. But okay. you've got to capture them all, I think, in order to get to but that I think point. maybe that's what was overwhelming me. It's just, it's just there is so much. And, there is. And it there felt is like in that late stage, perhaps it would be overwhelming when really all you want to do, or all I, all, all I would want to do is either progress the story or go off and do fun things rather than being called over to different places to put out mm. fires, as it were. But I mean, I, I see the appeal of it. I think they've... Um, did they do that in GTA 5 or did they, they didn't really do that because they had the, the three character type thing? Territory like, control yeah. stuff. I don't think so. No. So again, that's a game I haven't got far into because of the size of it. Um, yeah. I mean, th there's there's a huge amount that we could talk about for San Andreas, I guess. It's 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 a humongous game. Um, but when it comes down to it, I mean, you know, I think we've called um, GTA 3 and Vice City Game Changers. Would mm -hmm. we say that San Andreas was up there? Is is that a game changer, do we think? I think it is a game changer. Um, it's, it's so, I mean, it does quite a lot different from the pre previous two. It, the shooting is, th this is where they start shifting away from aggressive lock-on gameplay. You actually have to use both sticks to aim your gun. You can fire with the trigger. 
I remember that standing out to me as something that you didn't do before in GTA. You could crouch to take cover behind things. So the shootouts felt a lot more dynamic. It did do quite a lot to change what a GTA was and um, dictate what it would become. Um, but I mean, but at, at the same time, it is still a GTA game and it was still very similar in a lot of other ways too. But it just it's difficult for me to say anything other than game changer because it, mm-hmm. it was a massive deal but i think it's only a game changer because it exists in the grand theft auto canon and that's kind of what rockstar does when they release games they release big fucking games that are a big deal and do a lot for gaming you mm-hmm. took you took the words out of my mouth i mean uh, to be <laughs> frank every gta game is a game changer because they put that that much effort into it and that's why the games took progressively longer to come out each yeah. time because yeah. you know they, they they change the game each time they push the envelope that's what gaming and art as a whole i consider gaming and art regardless to what some people might say that's what makes <laughs> it great that you're always trying new things because if you're going to make the the same game over and over again it's like making the same album or the same movie over and over again people are going to get bored and uh, obviously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the hauser brothers you know they buck that trend. true yeah so game changer from both of you yeah uh, i mean how I- about you andrew yeah, well, I mean, I the thing is, I haven't played a huge amount of it, but I know a lot of it. Um, I know a lot about it. And I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the amount that it did for the GTA series, but also for other games, I suppose. I mean, you know, it's yeah, we've seen open worlds before, but GTA um, San Andreas had a huge impact on how big gaming worlds became because, I mean, you know, the, the, it being a whole state, that was a, I mean, you know, it's obviously a shrunk down version of a, of a state, but other games would then go on to mimic that. I mean, the Assassin's Creed mm-hmm. games, for example, um, kind of did that. They had like the few cities dotted around and then the big areas in between. And I don't think we'd seen that before, San Andreas, those kind of huge I don't think areas so, no. with big populated I, areas in between. In the run up to the game, I remember thinking this all sounds fucking impossible. Like yeah. this, how the hell are they going to release a game that's based in an entire state? But they did it, mm. and it works, and it's very cool. I'm pretty sure if you go back now, the map would probably feel laughably small, mm-hmm. considering it's supposed to be a state. But at the time, it was really, really impressive. Oh yeah, and and they know how to push hardware. Whether it's you know streaming from a disc oh, yeah. or later on, obviously you can install the games to the hard drives. But they they know how to push everything to its limits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say, yeah, you're both right. I mean, uh, you know, Rockstar push things to the limits and they and they do things. They don't do things by halves. Um, so for that reason, the fact that they, uh, you know, they brought a lot of things to the fore um, and influenced uh, games going forward. Yeah, I think it's a game changer as well. So, uh, cool. There That's is our one first thing also. Surprising. Oh, go ahead. Uh, go, go, go ahead and uh, I'll go after you. I was just going to say. I was just going to say, surprising nobody, the Grand Theft Auto game is a game changer again. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And my point was going to be, just a year prior, a game that closely mimicked GTA but did it beautifully was Simpsons Hit and Run. And I thought that might oh, be yeah. a good game to mention because that, to me, is that was a great, let's call it gateway drug into GTA because I played Simpsons Hit and Run. And then the next year, you know, the real thing. And uh, But I got to tell you, Hit and Run was amazing and uh just spoke it was to good. It was what, good. what an impact GTA had that even the Simpsons were doing GTA, mm-hmm. basically. You know, that, that that's huge. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and you'd have been 11 um, and talking about yeah. gateway trucks. It's hilarious. <laughs> 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 it's my gateway into the violence. Um, so, um, moving on to the next game. Um, we have a an Xbox game. We, we haven't talked about a huge amount of Xbox games over the time we've been doing this. Uh, it always seems to be 
PS2 or Dreamcast. But um, the next game it was. Oh, it makes sense. Exclusive. Dreamcast 2. <laughs> well, yeah, very true. Um, this was released on the 11th of November, and it was the sequel to pretty much the first Xbox game, I guess. Um, and this was Halo 2. So. I mean, Jordan, I'll come to you first. Do you, did you play this at the time? Was this a game you played at the time, or have you played it since? You better believe it. Uh, launch day, uh, <laughs> Halo oh, wow. 2 just was a, an amazing game uh, to finally be able to... I mean, you know, every, we'd all done LAN parties before, and I was even doing, like, X-Link Kai and XB Connect, like, tunneling, because uh, I always, you know, using, like, crossover cable and all that fascinated me. I always liked to see what I could do with hardware and software. Uh, but Halo 2, you know, finally, you didn't have to do that. It was, you know, it was the first big online gaming community in terms of consoles that really, you know, made an impact. And it was just, it was, it was a blast. Um, obviously, they remade a lot of the Halo 1 maps. So, I mean, it wasn't an entirely new game, at least on the multiplayer side. But, you know, it was, it, it was, a, it was like I said, a blast playing as the Arbiter. Uh, you know, the, the story, the, the cliffhanger. To me, it, it, it uh, yeah, it was excellent nice um steve did you did you have an xbox like i don't think you did right no uh, my brother owned an xbox ah, okay, uh, so sure. this is how so i have played hey hey halo 2 um whenever i think of halo 2 i think about the multiplayer um mm. I, i'm i'm i lean more into the campaign side of halo i've got a lot of reverence for that but but halo 2 is the one i played the least of in terms of the campaign but I do remember the multiplayer because this was kind of the start of Xbox Live as a thing, right? Like Halo mm-hmm. 2 was the first big multiplayer game on that console. Um, <clears throat> I remember being fascinated by that um, and playing it wearing a headset. And that was really cool. And it felt really cool <laughs> to do that. But it, but it's actually like, so I've got the Master Chief collection now. And mm-hmm. I'm working my way through those with some friends, playing them co-op we haven't done halo 2 yet and i'm excited to do so because it is the one i've played the least i i mm. really I, I i don't remember a lot about about this game to mm. be honest things that stand out are the multiplayer being a big deal and uh you could dual wield stuff which was very exciting at, 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 at the time as well but beyond that yeah i mean it's a lot of people really love this game and i i don't i don't know a lot about it really mm. yeah it's i mean again yeah i think um the original Halo I played all the way through and I had like people come over and we do we used to hire a projector I think I mentioned this on a previous pod we had a projector from the university library and we'd kind of do it on a, like a massive screen like four player split screen it was awesome Halo 2 I think came out at a time where I was either bogged down in studies or I was kind of out partying too much to play Halo um, and uh, I, I but I do remember bits of it so yeah the multiplayer was great but I remember that there was the big scarab um Yes. thing that you had to get on and that that kind of i remember that a lot but yeah i don't remember a huge amount of the campaign um but it almost it feels to me like halo 2 although it did a lot you know it improved a lot but because the first halo was such a big deal it almost just felt like a slight improvement and a, and a slight continuation rather than a massive leap forward um perhaps in terms of xbox live maybe like you said steve it was a bigger leap yeah. forward uh, and i don't think i'd really gotten into that online gaming at the time because i was a student and maybe wasn't didn't have the because i remember when uh, um so your brother if your brother had the xbox he had like everything right he like had a separate line installed for online gaming oh yes rightly. yeah yeah, yeah. He, like, did, he, he did he did he did super yeah. into it um because i remember that being yeah if we used to go into your brother's room to play all sorts of 
um, online games and PC games and mm-hmm. stuff, which is always fun. Um, but yeah, at uni, we definitely didn't have that kind of stuff, which is unfortunate. So I don't think I really got into it as much as maybe I could have done. So perhaps that's one that um, that I also need to kind of get onto yeah. the Master Chief Collection yeah. and get back into. Um, well, I'll tell you, the fondest memory I think might be for all of us is that the map packs, you know, at times were free. Remember mm. those days? <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I remember, didn't this have like, you could buy a map pack, but it was on a disc, like the old expansion packs where you'd have to like go to the store and buy a disc and it would, you put the disc in and it would be the maps for the game. I think. Yeah, I they. I, I, I think they may have offered that. Uh, you know, I guess download speeds were still kind of strange, yeah. although if you can play the game, you'd figure you could do the download. But yeah, they, what they ended up doing is I think the Kiltacular, Blastacular, and one of the other map packs, they put the three of them on the disc like that. But there were even, like right before, I think the 360 came out, they put two maps out for free, which were great. I'm trying to remember their names, mm-hmm. but uh, that, that's what I loved. And I couldn't remember, correct me if I'm wrong, I, what I loved in Halo 1 was you could shoot a pistol you know, across the room and you know, nail a guy. Um, could you do that still in Halo 2? I can't remember. Was the pistol still that, you know, devastating? It's Yeah, it's it's, it's not until uh, Halo 3 that they nerfed that pistol. That pistol ah. is... In the first and second game, it is a, sni- it is a sniper rifle, pretty much. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I felt like Martin Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, in light of that, I mean, it's... Um, you know, obviously, we've all had a good time of some kind with this game. Um, but w- was it a game changer? Was it? Was it? I, I mean, just for the Xbox Live stuff alone, uh, it's it has to be. It has to be a game changer. Agreed, hundred right. percent. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, I I feel I feel like I can't quite get there with that being a game changer. I, f- I feel like it wasn't as big a, a jump from Halo as as like the GTA games were from each other to to warrant it also being a game changer. I, I, I don't feel like uh, Halo games past one, except for maybe Reach, were game changers in my, in, in my, in my eyes anyway. Um, so I'm going to go with game. Pretty high up game, but Can it's still a game changer. Why on Reach? On. For what it's worth, I thought one, two, and three were huge, and then I, I kind of lost interest after that. What What appealed to you about Reach? I never got to play that as much. So Reach was, I feel like by that point, I'd had my fill of Master Chief. And I, although I enjoyed that stuff, I felt like it was nice for them to look elsewhere in the universe. Um, so the characters that they brought in were great. Um, it was nice to be a part of a, a squad um, rather than being this solo guy going out and doing his own thing. And I know you got to play other characters in the games, but it was nice. And it was because of that squad. It was, you know, that dynamic between them and the fact also that you could play the entire thing cooperatively with four people. Um, and I had some great yeah. times with one of my friends. Uh, we went through the entire game co-op, and it just—it was Halo. The, the gameplay was Halo. It was, you know, it was the same good stuff that you would have in Halo, but it—it it had more of a, a human side to it, I guess, which is what they tried to do with ODST as well, I believe. And they just expanded on the ODST thing of not having a Master Chief in it, and um, you know, they're still powerful people that you're controlling. You know, these people who are essentially very similar in the fact that they're they're not spartans i don't think but they kind of are an elite crack team so it was yeah it was the co-op it was having different characters to play for a change and also the location like reach itself as a as a place um and the story that it gave was fantastic it was it was really great and i got like the special edition of halo reach as well with all these like um files and stuff that you could read about you know the scientist who you're trying to save and all this kind of stuff so it, it really added to the universe for me and I, I felt like 
that's where they were going before Bungie left the uh, the folds, as it were, and Microsoft handed it to 363 Studios. Um, I'd have loved to see what Bungie would have done after Reach, but unfortunately, mm. we will never know, unfortunately. so. Well, if it does yeah. interest you, uh, you can look into what they did before Halo, which has always fascinated me, Marathon, which came out on mm. Max and uh, the Pippin, and uh, it's really... They, that's, you know, they're, they're already making Halo. It's, it's incredible to see, you know, where they went with that. And they, and they did uh, like right. Myth and uh, a bunch of other games. It's a very interesting history with uh, them and especially Alex Seropian. Nice. I mean, the fact they went on to do Destiny and, and how big that's become um, is, is a testament to how great a studio they are and also how great Halo was because, you know, Destiny is kind of the basic, the basis. Halo is the basis of Destiny pretty much, but Destiny... Yeah elevates it to another level i suppose um how did you guys feel uh steve and andrew how, how did you guys mm-hmm. feel when halo 3 came out see like in 2005 i loved call of duty 2 on the 360 to me that replaced mm-hmm. halo 2 almost immediately i loved halo but that game was on another level then modern mm-hmm. warfare came out and while i loved halo 3 initially modern and i still do don't get me wrong modern warfare just took over my, my gaming life, so to speak. And I was curious what camps you guys fell into. Were you playing more Halo 3 or were you over it and in Call of Duty? How, how'd you guys do with that? So, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 play, I played them both and I liked them both. I feel like both of those games are... I like them more or less depending on what kind of mood I'm in, I guess. Mm-hmm. So Call of Duty is a it's a like it's it's a game where you find your flow right and you get that tunnel vision and you you chew your way through it and it's very satisfying to play whereas halo is more for me about it's got a very different feel to it the combat is a lot slower and it's a lot more about the atmosphere and the presentation and the music and really nailing that sort of the holy trinity of of melee gunfire and grenades mm-hmm. it's got kind of a like it's almost this is incredibly cheesy and i apologize but it's almost like a ballet of combat and it feels good to pull off those ballet moves whereas in call of duty it's more teeth gnashing tunnel vision flow kill all these dudes so i like them both really is my overly complicated answer <laughs> no i and i got you and you're right i mean and especially the halo 2 theme i mean the fact they brought in nile rogers and steve Vai, they took that theme and just it was still that beautiful orchestra i think it's martin o'donnell hopefully i'm saying that his mm-hmm. name right who did the original yeah. and it's just that's iconic and then like mm. how do you where do you go after that you know and then mm-hmm. what they did with the guitar and everything was just, I thought oh, yeah. it was just as good, but in, in its own way. Uh, so I totally yeah. get what you mean about the ballet and it just, you know, uh, just being an experience more or less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Anyway, Absolutely. Andrew, I, my apologies. Go, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, I, I don't know if I'm lucky or not, but so we did get Call of Duty 2 um, and my so I, I had every intention of playing it quite a lot, but my partner got to it pretty much first, and I ended up watching my partner play through the entire game, and it put me off wanting to play it myself because <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen the game. It feels like redundant, uh, a redundant thing to then play through it myself. So therefore, I haven't, I've never really got into Call of Duty as a big thing. I'll occasionally play something, like I played a bit of uh, Black Ops 4, and I played a little bit of the new Modern Warfare and Warzone and stuff. So I'll play some occasionally, but it's never been my thing. So I liked Halo 3 a lot, but by that point, or around that time, maybe a little bit after, 
I've more got into things like Killzone. So Killzone 2 was my huge shooter. I loved Killzone ah, 2. Yeah. It was absolutely massive. And it, uh, the, I played the multiplayer of that to death. I absolutely loved it. Um, I think that came out just after Halo 3, um, and, I believe. And I, th- but... and I think the original Killzone came out this year, the 04. I think uh, yes. that was the same year it came out. Absolutely, yeah. It came out in this year. Oh, I mean, right. I... I yeah, it came out in 2004. Um, so it's, it's not a game that I played at the time, but I did play it a bit later. Um, I think they brought out a version on the PS... No, they didn't. They brought a, bit, a version out on the... Yes, they did. They brought out a version on the PS3. They did. Um, like yeah, they had two and, two and three. Yeah, and they had yeah. two and three on the PS3. That's right, yeah. And then we got uh, Shadowfall on the PS4. And it's a shame they kind of stopped doing that. I get it, because they went over to do Horizon and stuff like that. But um, the Killzone games, I've always really, really enjoyed. I, I love that whole thing and the, and the fact that they took um kind of the the nazi world war ii theme and did it in space um you know they, they, they did what call of duty 2 were doing but in space um so i i thought that was that was quite cool uh so oh, yeah, yeah that, it's that's an incredible answer. era i mean when you think yeah. about two especially the initial run of call of duty games they're all running on id tech 3 it's basically you're still playing quake 3 arena but it was just yeah just mm-hmm. a blast and uh you know to to experience we we really grew up uh in the golden period i, I know uh, you guys are doing was it 94 to 09 and it really is a, a golden period for 3d gaming it is yeah. you know it just mm. we, we got to experience it's like you know growing up in the you know the 70s you know uh w- <laughs> you know with the with in terms of music or you know it's just it, it really we, we got to experience one hell of a one hell of a time yeah absolutely the only thing uh the only thing i didn't like about the Killzone games is that the fat the fascists were just british yeah, I mean that's the trope, isn't it? Is that all all the, vi- all the villains have to be British, pretty much, and they yeah. kind of really ran with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, look it, there at was Call a famous actor in it. So. How long were we yeah. fighting the Germans? Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, there was a lot of those, <laughs> and it wasn't just Call of Duty. We had the Medal of Honor games as well, and you know, there, there was a big time. Oh, yeah. th- th- this time in gaming was all about World War Two, right? Like it, it was, it was. Constant, yeah. Oh, by constant. the way, you, uh, do you guys know the story about Medal of Honor and Call of Duty? Uh, I don't think no. so. Oh, well, here, I'll just run through it. Let me know if you've heard it. But basically, I met this guy, Tom Kadurka. He had a company, this was before 2015, called 2015 Games. And they made Medal of Honor Allied Assault on the PC, which was incredible. Just an incredible game. Yes, it was. And some of his employees included Vince Zampella and those guys. Well, there was a mutiny, and I can kind of understand why. Tom's a interesting individual i'll leave it at that but he basically had a mutiny and they formed infinity they left him formed infinity ward and created call of duty ah interesting oh yeah yeah that's yeah. right that's, that's interesting right, yeah. it's also so interesting, it's interesting that that happened linked. again later because there yes, was a, there was a true. bunch of people who did that formed respawn and ended up doing titanfall and apex that's legends right. yeah. um crazy crazy they they like a mutiny over there then um that's what we've yeah, they like today. to change it up every decade or so <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um but yeah so halo 2 it's a game changer two of you have voted game changer so yeah it's a comfortable game changer at least so that's good um so okay let's move on to another first person shooter um a bit of a different one comes from a, a different lineage um this one released on pc uh on the 13th of august here in the uk and that was doom 3 so mm. this one was a very interesting one it's a it's the first 3d game of a i mean doom's always been 3d i'm doing air quotes here um for listeners um it's always been 3d in the terms of you know it, it's kind of got that perspective about it um first person view in kind of yeah this is the first modern Pseudo take 3D. of yeah this is the first proper polygonal 3d um doom game um 
and they went all out with Doom 3 as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. They, they they really grabbed hold of the horror theme of Doom. Uh, they kind of... Uh, the, the silliness maybe a little bit less than the other Doom games and they really went for the horror theme and they kind of nailed it, I think. I don't know. Did you have... Oh, and the effects and the lighting. It, yeah. You know, talk about an experience. It let that flashlight... I mean, you really were scared, you know what. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. It was... Uh, yeah, it really was a terrifying game. And I love horror games. Um, uh, and this terrified me. I think I played it originally before they did the flashlight mod. So you basically... You could have your flashlight or your gun out. And it's yeah, an incredibly yeah. dark Same. game. So if you yeah, couldn't... It was have hard blood, to yeah, see. You had to shoot. Literally. Yeah. I mean, you'd have, like, if you were shooting something, then you'd have, like, the, the muzzle flash, I guess, wouldn't you? So you'd kind of light up a little bit mm-hmm. of what you were seeing. But if you weren't shooting and you had your gun out, you just can't, you couldn't see anything, which was ridiculous. So I understand why they kind of put the kind of um, gun-mounted torch on it eventually as a mod or is it on his shoulder i can't remember where they put the torch uh, yeah i don't i don't remember i don't remember i don't remember either i'm 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 sort of in two minds about that because it's obviously better from a quality of life standpoint that you can have your flashlight on at all times and it mm-hmm. makes sense because that's what a marine would have as well but there, there there is something to only being able to use your flashlight when you're not shooting because it was terrifying mm-hmm yeah, yeah, and it, it, it yeah, I, it adds to the the difficulty, the experience. You, you know, it, it's, yeah. Honestly, it's like a cheat code once it's on. You know, it is. All it the is time a bit. Is. Yeah. I mean, they've released it fairly recently on modern platforms like the Switch yep. and PS4. I I haven't really played it yet. Do, do, is it just the, Does it have the torch mod automatically, or can you it's, switch that off? I, I, it's so it is a version of Doom Three, the name of which escapes me. I apologize, but it uh, uh, eventually BFG Doom edition, just, I think. That's right. Yes. Uh, eventually, like Doom, Doom Three is that now. You can't play Doom Three with the old flashlight anymore. Oh. Um, that's just. I mean, unless you went and bought the old PC version and installed that. Um, I guess. But yeah, I, I bought it on the Switch and I played through it on the Switch and I, I love, I love this game. I, it's for they, they did go all out with it, but like a lot of people were disappointed at the time with this game because it's a Doom game, but it is not like you said. They, they, they lean into the horror and it's way slower. Mm-hmm. and it's way spookier and uh, a lot of people think doom and they think gunning down hundreds of enemies over and over again and that's not what this game is um mm-hmm. so sucks to be them i guess because i i love i love this game it's great nice i remember that controversy actually i remember people really hating on on doom 3 yeah. at the time um yeah. and it's i guess it's kind of why they didn't continue on with this kind of doom because obviously we then, we then saw doom 2016 which like you said lent much more heavily into mm-hmm. like uh, taking down many 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 enemies very quickly um yeah it, i mean it was basic so doom 3 it's basically a vehicle for 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 john Carmack's um digital wiz- wizardry right he came up with this engine that could cast real-time shadows um and then they built a game around that that's what it seems like to me but mm. i'm I, I thought it was incredible i yeah i was fine i was fine with that mm. um do we have any particular memories around this game is it is it something that um either of you played a lot of i mean jordan did you play a lot of this game you know i played it initially when it came out i even i was so excited i got the limited edition there was like this metal case that came in and it had like i think mm. doom one and two uh, emulated you could play it on xbox um to be frank though i think i ended up playing because i i loved it but i ended up playing a lot more of unreal tournament 2004 
Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I, I still had a lot of fun with Doom 3 and certainly uh, with Quake 4 when they used the same engine Raven Software did on, on 360. But it, 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 it was fun from what I remember. I just it, There's so many good games. I mean, who, who had the time? <laughs> well, yeah, very true. Very true. Um, I guess, I mean, it feels like we all enjoyed this game to a degree. It doesn't sound like... I, I don't think I ever finished the game, Is I think probably because I played it when it was really really hard without the mod uh haven't gone back to it since um do we think this was a game changer at all was it was it good enough to be a game changer or was it just a game i have a hard time getting to game changer with this but like that feels that feels unfair to doom 3 because i really do love it but like tech technically it was very impressive Hmm. they had this shadow tech right which which had its shortcomings as well because what you basically ended up with was a very like mathematically technologically impressive game like you there were shadows everywhere you expected to be shadows but artistically it wasn't particularly impressive it was it was kind of outside of the lighting it was kind of ugly Mm. um but the shadows and the lighting did a lot of heavy lifting on it and ultimately i think the game still looks great particularly on my uh on my switch screen but i don't know i i maybe maybe through no fault of its own i don't know that doom 3 makes it up to game game changer this came out in the same year as half-life 2 as well i think half-life 2 ate its lunch a little bit Mm. so it's perhaps unfair on doom 3 but i don't know i i I have a hard time saying game changer i think i might just have to say very high game okay uh jordan what about you well, I, I got to be honest, I'm at a loss for words. Uh, great minds think alike, Steve. I, I could not have articulated <laughs> that better. I, I, I literally have nothing to say. He, he did it. <laughs> cool. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think I'm there with you. Um, I think that, that it did a lot of really cool things. I loved the um, in-game computers and all of that kind of stuff. And the oh, fact yeah, that you actually yeah. had to, that you got a little mouse cursor over it when you looked at it. So it felt like a real computer almost. That was great, and the um, the audio logs were awesome in that game as well, and kind of uh, a good implementation of that. But yeah, and also it's it's influenced games going forward, like the Dead Space games. I mean, there's a huge influence mm-hmm. for those. Um, oh, absolutely. From Doom Three, and it's interesting and too games. because it's ID decided let's focus on single player. You know, Epic mm-hmm. decided multiplayer, and it was interesting to see those you know those divergent paths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I think I agree. I think it's a it's a game. It's it's a, it's definitely high up there. But I think game changer, it's probably not. Unfortunately, still a great game. But yeah, agreed, one hundred percent. All right. So uh, next on the list then is um, well, I'm just gonna get straight into it. It's Far Cry. Uh, it's the beginning of the Far Cry series that we all know and I guess kind of love today. I don't know what our thoughts about it are today, but <laughs> we'll come to that another time. Uh, this released on PC on the twenty sixth of March. Um, Far Cry. Uh, I remember playing this quite a bit actually. I remember being it being like this massive technical achievement. Um, mm. How amazing it looked! Um, did did both of you did you both of you play this? Uh, Steve, you wanna you wanna go first? Sure. Uh, yeah, I played I played quite a lot of this game. It was a, a big fat tech demo basically. I mean, it, mm. there was a game in there too, which was quite fun. Um, I always really appreciated what what they did narratively, which is you're fighting. Uh, mercenaries for the first two thirds and then in the last third of the game or maybe the last half of the game i don't know they start throwing terrifying monsters at you um it was really well done it was a really good reveal um and they kept that a secret you didn't know that was going to happen so that was fun Mm. but beyond that it was a fairly basic shooter um but what it really had going for it was its engine which as you said 
really impressive uh, and it, you were lucky if you had a PC that could run it not unlike the Crisis games that came out more recently mm-hmm. um, it, the physics engine was amazing um, the AI was really good the graphics were incredible like the dense foliage in the jungle the water tech the lighting was great the draw distance was mind-boggling you could snipe people from miles and miles away there were vehicles it was just a really fun big sandbox which if you go back to now if you've never played it it might feel kind of rudimentary these days but back back, back then it was uh, it was very very impressive indeed well again steve you took the words out of my mouth <laughs> i i uh, I played it a little bit, not too much. I, you know, I think I rented it on Xbox. I think they called it Far Cry Instincts then. I, as much mm-hmm. as, even though I had a PC, and I actually started off as a PC gamer growing up in the '90s. Um, I, you know, I loved PC, and I didn't get a console. My first console slash portable Game Boy Color N64. I didn't get till like '99, um, so I would have been seven. Because um, before then, I, I would just play on my, my father's PC, uh, but. That being said, I know Far Cry was a huge deal on the PC, uh, but at that point I had, was kind of in my console period, and uh, I, like I said, I played it a little bit. It was fun, uh, but it, it you know it wasn't uh, one of the main games I played. But it, it was definitely good, and like you said, it's it's a, a great tech demo that also had a mm-hmm. you know a cool story, uh, especially with the monsters mm-hmm. coming at the end. Mm. Yeah, it was it was very good. I mean, it's uh, I remember the, the initial opening bit was brilliant i really enjoyed that and uh you know the fact that you were set on this beautiful tropical island and the boats you could go kind of swim up to and go into to fight people and it was great but yeah it it maybe lacked some depth to it and i think they try to remedy that with future far cry games in that they try to kind of maybe shoehorn a deeper story into the uh the gameplay loop but well, this was the only Far Cry game that was made by, uh, is it, are they called Crytek? It's escaping me now. The developers I, think so. Maybe, I think so. So yeah. this is the only Far Cry game that they made. Then they sold the Far Cry IP, which funded the Crisis games. Mm-hmm. So after this point, it was, uh, some other people made Far Cry, which is why they're so different after Far yeah. Cry 2. And it's become the Far Cry that we know now. And yeah, yeah, Ubisoft has a you know they they like to make a lot of sequels. <laughs> they do, they, they, really they do. do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right. So, I mean, what are we saying with Far Cry then? Do we think it's? Do you think? Do we think it was a game changer? I mean, graphically, it sounds like maybe it's up there. But is it? Is it? As a game, is it a game changer? Maybe. Uh, I, 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 again, I think I have a hard time getting to game changer with this, and it might not be through the game's fault. Again, I think it's just because it came out at the same year as Half-Life 2. Mm-hmm. Spoilers for future in the episodes, but uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's tough for me to say Game Changer. It's almost there, though. Almost. Almost. Yeah, sure. it's basically Doom 3. It's the same story. Great game, you know, great uh, on a technical level, certainly. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, that je ne sais quoi, that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that... Uh, uh, something's missing, you know? I, I don't know how else to put yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think I'd feel the same. So, Robbie, all saying it was a pretty good game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, game def- definitely a great game. Awesome. Okay. Um, let's move on to another Xbox game. And um, when we were talking about San Andreas earlier, this kind of the stuff that we're talking about in terms of uh, changing your character, eating a lot to make them fat, trying to exercise to make them thin, reminded me a bit of this game. Um, although I don't think they pulled off 
as much as they wanted to. Um, mm. So what I'm talking about here is uh, Fable uh, on the Xbox, which released on the 8th of October. Um, yeah, this game promised a lot and it did. didn't really deliver uh, on all of it, right? No, no. So uh, Pete Amolineux, I have a lot of respect for, and I've got a real soft spot for this guy. Uh, I love him. I think he's great. But he he's has now learned, He's now he's now learned to stop talking because he gets so passionate about the games that he works on that he talks them up and he promises a lot of features that the game then ultimately does not go on to deliver, uh, which is a shame. And Fable was pretty disappointing in that regard. Um, but if you can if you can look at it from outside of all the promises, it, it is great. It is really good. It had mm. multiple sequels, and they're all great too. Fable 1, I think it kind of falls through the cracks, though, because it's always going to be that game that wasn't the game we thought it was going to be for me. Okay. Fair enough. But, you know, Molyneux, I mean, I kind of like the idea that he talks this stuff up. It's kind of, you know, you kind of, if you're saying it, you're kind of putting pressure on yourself to deliver, you know, and unfortunately, you know, Mm -hmm. things happen. But whether it's black and white, you know, his previous work with Bullfrog, uh, Fable, I, I I do love the fact that he pushes the envelope. He's always thinking of new ideas. I think yeah. his new company, 22 Cans, has uh, been doing some interesting stuff. Um, you know, I think the whole idea, especially, though, of, uh, you know, you can be a good guy, you can be a bad guy. They, they're, they, you know, Fable is really at least laying the groundwork, the foundation for a lot of that. You know, the way people, the notoriety you developed with, within the community of the game like you'd grow horns if you're evil if i remember like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know that whether it's you know doshin the giant which nintendo did kind of did that too there's a few others uh but you know i i really appreciated where he was going for with it yes maybe he didn't get there but i certainly appreciate what they were going for and uh you know what it what i guess what it could have been yeah and I think they, they, they nailed a lot of things like the art style was great. I really enjoyed that. And the, the, the mm-hmm. humor in the game was fantastic. It's, you know, it's, it's greater at that. And, and it's just the overall gameplay itself. Yeah, fair enough. You can't do a lot of the things that were promised and it's not as deep as was promised either um, and potentially not as big as was promised. But what is there is absolutely great. The, the combat was really fun. The different quests that you go on were great. And, you know, your interactions with people were really fun. And they built on that in the sequels. Obviously, two and three take it to another level entirely. But it definitely laid a good foundation, I think, mm-hmm. for what for what they wanted to do. And, like, once Fable 2 came around, I knew what Fable was at this point, And mm-hmm. I knew what to expect from it. And I was able to enjoy that game far more because I didn't, like, it exceeded my expectations rather than fable which fell far short of them sadly but with but with peter molyneux it's hard to hold it against him because he's not he's not lying it's just a sincere passion for what he Mm. does and that's how those games come across to me they have a lot of heart and they are super sincere and you can tell that they have a lot of love put in uh put into them and that's you know that's why that's why those games are good and, yeah, and, and the fact is, you know, whether it's technical limitations or, you know, let's call them corporate limitations, uh, you know, working, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you got to work with people who prefer to hide in the shadows and never get caught making a decision. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to try to bring something unique. You know, they make those jokes on The Simpsons. I mentioned Larry Sanders earlier about dealing with TV network executives. Believe me, uh, game publishing's become very much the same thing or maybe always was. Uh, you know, there's a lot of that. So, you know, based on those internal struggles and knowing what that's like, 
again, I can certainly appreciate that you know he was even able to get what he got out of Fable, and like you said, he certainly came a lot closer in Fable too. So you kind of have to you know get the first one out there, be successful. You know, hopefully then you can get some more you know wiggle room to take chances. But also again, it it's why a lot of uh, games, for example, I think start on one console and they eventually you know move to the next one because there's just so much you want to do. Like I think Star Fox Adventures, Dinosaur Planet. I think that was supposed to be N64 and that eventually became GameCube. Oh. Great example is actually Two Human. I think that was N64, then GameCube, uh, then Xbox, and then finally Xbox 360. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it takes time, you know, when you're ambitious and you, you want to do something like that. So, you know, I, I like you said, I, I had a soft spot for Molyneux, too, and I think uh, it was definitely, you know, heart was in the right place and, you know, was building something incredible. Yeah, he's probably he's probably doing the right thing by being much quieter these days. But I I miss I miss the guy. I wish uh, I wish we could still hear his voice. Occasionally. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what sells it. I mean, it's like, you know, unfortunately today, whether it's movies or anything else, the talent rides shotgun to the IP, uh, intellectual property. Uh, but that's because the talent isn't there anymore. Like when you go to see a Tom Cruise movie, you want to go because Tom Cruise is in it. Um, mm. they, they bring something or like a Mel Gibson you, you know it's the same thing with games you, you want to play a game because it's a Peter Molyneux game you know you want to play GTA because yeah. yeah. the Hauser brothers made it that kind of thing so I, I feel like that is you know something that I, I don't want to lose and I, I unfortunately I think we are and I think now it's again it's uh, the the corporate side's really destroying everything it's, it, honestly it's like what happened to music and movies it's, it's really the same thing yeah, and there's there's definitely a, a, a similarity there with the uh, Kojima thing. I think you've oh, yeah. got. I mean, he's a proper auteur, and could, uh, Konami basically wanted to reel him in. Uh, it's a good job they didn't, um, I guess, but um, or couldn't. Maybe it's the right word for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, I get that. Um, in terms of Fable, and what do we think this was a game changer, or are we thinking just a game in this in this particular regard? Um. Well, Oh. Jordan, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go first so that I don't say exactly what you want to say. <laughs> All right, or right, maybe I'll beat you to the punch. I think it's on the crest. It's just about to be a game changer. It maybe is, but because of the amount of other great games at the time, I feel like to what Steve said, Fable Two is really when it came into its own. So whenever we do that year, I want to say that's mm -hmm. 08 or 09. Um, I think Fable 2 makes sense to, you know, to say as a game changer. But in terms of the first Fable, I think it's, you know, it, it's again, it's like Doom 3 and, um, and Far Cry. It's just about there, but it, not as well. Steve, let, let me mm -hmm. know what you think. Ho hopefully uh, we're on the same wavelength again. <laughs> we absolutely are on the same wavelength. Gen gen genius minds do think alike, and I agree with you. <laughs> amazing yeah i i would agree with all that as well so for a change See, I'm just three great on the bandwagon. yes <laughs> on this particular occasion um all right swiftly moving on um it would be nice to mention something that's not xbox or pc or ps2 so i figured i'd throw this in um this is a gamecube game uh, surprisingly enough and i think the last time we talked about a gamecube game it didn't go down too well uh hopefully this one will um it was released on the 12th of november and this was paper mario the thousand year door have either of you played this game? That's my first question. No. No? I'll be I'll Go be on. honest. I love the GameCube. I actually had the GameCube before Xbox and PS2, so I knew how special it was, 
you know, I, I felt like it was a, a secret, as weird as that sounds with a Nintendo product. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, unfortunately, I didn't get to play this Paper Mario or the N64 one. I'd love to. I just haven't had the time. But, it, you know, I love the idea of it. Yes. Um, I've played this not to the finish, not to completion, but I've played enough of it that I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it's I'd never played the N64 Paper Mario. I kind of got into this, or, or I think I got it well after it came out when it was expensive because I think it had a fairly limited print run and it's very rare to find these days um, here in the in the EU anyway. Um, but the, the graphical style of it, the fact that it was a Mario game, but with like actual characters who had personalities mm. and beyond just trying to find a princess in a castle, um, that you went to so many different locations. It, you know, it's, it's essentially a Mario. Well, it is. It's a Mario RPG, um, but with puzzle elements, with a bit of platforming thrown in because it's a Mario game, uh, and just with a great story. Um, and I think. Um, you know, future Paper Mario games perhaps lose a lot of what made that this particular one great, which is the brilliant RPG elements and the varied characters as well. I don't know. I can't speak too much on it, unfortunately, because I haven't played enough of it, I don't think, to, to, to do it justice. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to hear what the people think who are listening to this to let us know on at Streamcast years on Twitter what you thought about this particular game, because I don't think that... Or, well, obviously, you two can't really do it justice because you've never played it, and I don't feel like I can do it much justice. I know people think that it's a great game and it's a great GameCube title, um, one of the best, perhaps. Um, but I, I don't think any of us can put it as a game changer considering no. we have not played it or haven't played enough of it. Um, Paper Mario, generally, I know it's very highly revered by a lot of people, but that series is a complete blind spot in my uh, in my gaming career. Okay. And I'd be mm. curious, too, to hear what they think of Paper Mario and how they feel it relates to Super Mario RPG on the Super Nintendo. Because mm-hmm. I'm... I'm I, from mm. what I understand, it's pretty much a spiritual successor. So I'm curious what they feel yeah. is the you know the pinnacle of that idea. Yeah, it would be nice for them to bring games like this away. I mean, the only way to play it is on GameCube. Unfortunately, it's not one that got ported over to anything else oh. uh, for the Thousand Year Door anyway. And um, and to speak to the rarity, like you were saying earlier about the EU, mm. it's certainly in America too. I try to keep my ear to the ground on you know, what games are popular, uh, both retro and new. And I think the last I saw, Paper Mario, even in the U.S., it's like $130. Uh, it, mm-hmm. That's how high it is. I mean, especially with Whew. everything going on, GameCube games, have prices have soared. But that one in particular, yeah. I, I remember, was, yeah, pretty high up there. Yeah. So, I mean, if you haven't, if you're listening and you haven't played it yet, um, save some money because the only way you can play it is by paying <laughs> a fair bit, a fair chunk of money. Um and so, and if Nintendo happen to listen, I don't think Nintendo ever listens to this kind of podcast. But if they do, please port it. It sounds like you're porting. I mean, you've, you've, you're porting Mario Sunshine for goodness' sake. And if you compare it, port Mario Sunshine to the Switch, you can definitely port Thousand Year Door to the Switch. And without um, going too off topic, have you guys seen that? I mean, it, it seems like mm-hmm. a pretty—I don't even want to say standard—re-release. Uh, that they're not really doing anything with those. Mm. And I think, if I remember right, it's—I mean, I kind of like it. It's like watching old Simpsons in four by three. But I don't even think they set it up. You could do widescreen like with Mario sixty four. No, uh, Mario sixty four no. is 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 four by three. Uh, I mean, the resolution is bumped up. Uh, Sunshine is widescreen. I I agree. It's a little disappointing. I I I, yeah. I don't think that how. I wasn't expecting them to be straight up remakes, but they have done basically nothing to those games. It is kind of surprising. Yeah, Nintendo's yeah. weird sometimes. They either, you know, knock it out of the park and go, you know, 200%, just everything. Nothing's left on the table, or they do the bare minimum. There's no in-between mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that is crazy. And the fact that it's limited run as well, both digitally and physically. Like, yeah, just limited that's run seven months. That's yeah. crazy. I'm sure Not they'll get started on that because. I'm sure they'll extend it anyway, but you know it's it's a it's a sales ploy. Hopefully, uh, it doesn't tick them off yeah. by my revealing that. But I, I think it's pretty obvious. <laughs> yes, yes, you know it's like oh you know it's oh you got to call in now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that's true. But you know, hopefully, if they, if they can release Sunshine, um, hopefully they can release other GameCube games to the Switch um, soon because they didn't do that on the Wii U either, which was a uh, a missed a missed opportunity. Oh yeah, so, and um, those are treasure troves. Um, you know, mm. There's just so I mean, Geist, for example. Um, yes, I mean, love th- Geist. There's some great stuff on there. Absolutely, there are. Yeah, there's some great stuff. Um, I mean, in this particular case, then, I mean, you've not played it, so it's difficult for you to give it a rating. But I guess would you just call it a game? can't really call it shit i guess can you it's i guess not really fair. <laughs> i mean yeah what's the default i suppose it's game isn't it it is yeah uh, i'll call it a highly regarded game and leave it at that there you go there you go <laughs> fair enough fair enough what what a good way to what a good way to to end that um highly regarded game it is uh adding a new category in um let's move on <laughs> Let's move on to the next one, um, which is um, a racing game, which I think, I, I'm, I'm talking this up before we even start, I think it's probably regarded as potentially the pinnacle of this series, um, for me anyway, I think maybe there's one of the game that people... I definitely agree with you, series. if you're talking about yeah. what game I think you are. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and I am talking about a game that came out on the Xbox and the PS2, later on the GameCube, uh, which was Burnout 3 Takedown, which was on the 10th of September pinnacle of the burnout series absolutely brilliant game um, and i would say enjoying. one of the top three racing games of all time uh wow yeah to me it's right up there with san francisco rush 2049 for example especially the council version of that but burnout 3 takedown you saw where, where criterion was going with it with the first two burnouts uh, did you guys get to play the original in point of impact mm-hmm. yeah, yeah those were great and you could tell they were right there and then unfortunately it a claim went out of business and you're thinking uh oh I wonder what's going to happen but EA picked it up I think pretty much immediately uh, they added mm. the music to it which has its pluses and minuses the the licensed tracks uh, but it, it the music certainly fit it well and boy you know what was it Silverbound I th- or something like that 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 first track I mean just going in the oncoming lane which they got rid of in revenge it, just mm. the the sheer excitement and just you know always being on the edge uh, God, was that just an amazing game. I still play it to this day. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it is great. Um, Steve, is this one yeah, that you played a lot of? Uh, I did. I played a lot a lot of this game. I'm not really a rating game guy, so it's not very often that I dip my toe into these into this genre. But I did on this one, and it's uh, outstanding. I, I talked earlier on about how Call of Duty is, is, a, is a game about, about flow. This game also absolutely about flow. Uh, you get to the tunnel vision, your focus is 100% on it, and you are pulling off some crazy shit. Those near misses are uh, a thrill to pull off. You're dodging, mm. crashing by millimeters, or what feels like it. The sense of speed is just uh, was just unmatched at, at the time. And then obviously you got the takedowns themselves, um, which I mean, like crashes formed a part of the previous games, but on this it was you know it was a gameplay mechanic. Um, you had to take down other other races, and it was very satisfying to pull off. 
because obviously mm-hmm. you had the um, signature slow motion, oh, hyper yeah. detailed models crumpling and smashing up and gone oh, man, fishing. It was so much fun. Sending them into the river. That slow motion, and I love the aftertouch. Like, <laughs> yeah, you crashed, but yes. you had a chance to, you know, get them back or the revenge takedowns. Oh, that was just yeah. so amazing. Good. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I think uh, when I kind of mentioned at the beginning, there's a lot of people who would maybe say that. Um, Burnout Paradise is the pinnacle of this series, and I, nah. I, 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 no. I can't see it. I can't see nah. it personally. It's it's, uh, it, it's it good, good, but it's, it's not the game, same. But game. it's not. It, it doesn't feel like a burnout game, really. Exactly. It's it's a good game, but it's not. It's not yeah. the same at all. You know, Burnout Three Takedown, mm. as you said, is you know, it's the the highest echelon of the series. It's one of the best racing games of For all sure. time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. I mean, on that note, then, Jordan, would you call this a game changer? Absolutely. Yeah, um, is it a game that you wish that they would kind of remake, or do you think it needs to be left untouched as it is? You know, I think I'm kind of in the middle on that. It should be kept the exact way it was. It's to me, it's like vinyl, right? You know, you don't remaster it. I want to hear it the way the musicians, or in this case, the developers, Criterion intended. Just maybe mm-hmm. up the visuals, and that's it. You know, put it, you know, in 4K, 8K, whatever. And, and just do that because in terms of the physics and the mechanics, it's, it's an art. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. Cool. Um, Steve, what about you? What do you think about definite, this game? Definite game changer. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I'm trying to think of something else to say just because we can't keep doing this, Jordan. But Jordan said it all. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, it is. It's very true. It's it, it's definitely a game changer. It's it's a shame that it then went off track so much. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Revenge was a good game, but it wasn't anywhere near as good as three. And then no. uh, yeah, Dominator uh, Paradise was just different. Yeah, and oh, Dominator, Dominator. Yeah, it was on PS2. It had a little of it, but yeah, Takedown. It was the pinnacle, but also you know, well, it was the pinnacle. I mean, that that's the problem though, because where mm. do you go from there? That's true. I, I did like the, how they tried. Um, did you ever play Burnout Crash, which is like the top-down? Oh, I love yes. one. Yeah, and I love the that crash. Mo- I think this is the first game, by the way, Takedown that had the crash mode, which was great too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think that's that was a genius move, um, and I really enjoyed that. But yeah, without game changer as well. Without being too corny, they pulled out all the stops. <laughs> they did. Yes, uh, definitely an awesome game, and yeah, game changer for sure. We've had a few game changers tonight. Which we is have. Great. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. All right, the the last game that's on my list, um, and I, I'm going to throw in is kind of two games in one. We'll probably talk about one more than the other, I guess, but they come under the same heading, I guess. So this is the one that we've been alluding to slightly. Um, it, it's the game that a lot of people maybe overlooked some of the other games this year because of, um, and I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge game this year. So leaving it to last, uh, this is Half-Life 2 on the PC released on the 16th of November and we released just before um, is a game that um, was created on the same engine um, and that is Counter-Strike Source. I mean, we'll start with Half-Life 2. Um, Steve, mm-hmm. I-, I mean, I remember you adoring this game at the time. Yeah. Um, tell me tell me what you like about it. So, I mean, Half-Life 1 was incredible because it was one unbroken first-person narrative from beginning to end um, without cutscenes. And then Half-Life 2 did it again, but they added so much character into this. They took Mm -hmm. the cookie-cutter security guards and scientists from the first game and turned them into 
actual characters that 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 had man it's hard to know where to start with this game that it's it's the thing that still stands out as impressive to me is definitely the character animations and the facial animations and the emotions that they were able to put to 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 give these characters these characters and it just and they look you right in the eye and they talk to you and it's just it's it's amazing it's awesome and you, you get so enraptured by this world and by this story and by these characters but then you know on top of that as well there's also a fantastic game in there with a physics engine uh it, half-life 2 is not the first game with physics but this is the first game that really made physics a focus point and if you play a game now with physics puzzles you have half-life 2 to thank for that half-life 2 leaned super hard into physics um and they were uh, it was incredible it was unbelievable some of the shit that you could see in this game. Different materials reacted differently when you shot them, when you hit them. They reacted differently with each other. There was friction. Some things floated, some things didn't. You could toss around. Like, you, you had a gravity gun in this game, which you, you only had to show off the physics engine pr- pretty much. <laughs> but like, what an inspired design choice. You could toss around a mattress and it it reacted accurately to how a mattress would. That was half the fun. Yeah, exactly. That was half the fun. You could toss things at enemies. You could kill an enemy by firing a toilet at them. Like, (laughs) uh, just, it's so good. Uh, Everyone knows about Ravenholm as well, which is the Mm -hmm. horror part of that game. Uh, You can toss, uh, like, saw blades at zombies and they get sliced in half. Just so so good that it's 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 incredibly long and it's a little bit bloated in the middle somewhere but for the most part i could play this game forever and still enjoy it it's just so well paced it's got that half-life pacing to it where you get the you get the highs of really intense combat and then you get the lows of the exploration in there as well and it's just it's so well done this is like I don't know. This is like gourmet gaming. It's great. I love it. I love that analogy. It's, it's exactly <laughs> what it is. I mean, and yeah. I, I, personally, I'm like you. I love the first one. The first one, I think, will always be my favorite. But the second was pretty much just as good. And it, like you said, it flowed greatly. Uh, was a ton of fun. I love being the camera, you know, controlling the camera, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of filming it like I'm the director playing the game. Yeah, yeah. Just a wonderful voice act that you I mean you you really were Gordon Freeman it was incredible to have him silent and you know you're him and you're thinking or at least me maybe I'm a little crazy here but I'm thinking what would I say maybe I wouldn't be silent you know and uh just wow what an experience and I, I speaking of watershed moments uh, for the industry I mean it this launched steam you know it, mm-hmm. it you know it got the franchise really going it would lead like you said with physics you portal with this wouldn't have happened without uh mm-hmm. half-life 2 i just yeah. so many so many great things and just i mean it's a sci-fi worthy of you know alien uh worthy of you know uh, star trek first contact one of my favorites of all time i got the kind of vibe i got from seeing first contact um i guess the only other thing i would add is uh even the half-life's always kind of reminded me there's a really good charlie sheen movie from 96 called the arrival where he even dresses like gordon freeman you guys should google this <laughs> he's got the orange suit and the uh, the glasses it'll blow your mind and it came out i think like two years before it was in 96 um so the theatrical element of half-life's always been there to me because of that 
And uh, what was interesting for me is while Half-Life's mainly a PC series, I played the original for the first time on the PS2. Gearbox actually did an amazing port, much like they did. That was a really good version of that game, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had that co-op mode with the PlayStation Magazine disc, and mm-hmm. Gearbox also did a great job, speaking of Halo, with Halo on, on PC, where they added a bunch of maps. But in any case, that's how I first played uh, Half-Life 1, and then uh, Half-Life 2, I didn't get a chance to play it because 04 was such a crazy year, but when the Orange Box came out uh, in 07, mm-hmm. it was great to you know play that, Episode 1 and 2, and uh, all that stuff, and just... Uh, it really is another one of the greatest games of all time. So I guess that's where I'm leading here. It's a definite game changer. <laughs> I, I, I really love the way you put it. Uh, you get to kind of be the camera and it's like you're directing what's happening. You're choosing what, at what angle you watch these events from. And that's that's a really good way to put it. And, and, and where what this game nails that Doom 3 didn't was the art direction, um, mm-hmm. which I think surprised everyone that... Half-Life 2 just has such a look to it. It's a real kind of, what, like Eastern European, like um, ex-Soviet kind of city feel to it. But obviously yeah. it's been invaded by the alien, well, the Combine. And so they're like a fascist organization that's oppressing the population, uh, stopping people from making babies, um, and ba- basically keeping humanity under control while they suck the earth dry of all its resources so you have ocean beds that are exposed because they're just taking the water away from earth and like some of the vistas you see and some of the things that you see are just incredibly bleak and just just so so well done um and they appoint um another human called uh breen i can't remember remember his first name dr breen i think it's talks yeah and 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 he talks to the city on these big um tv screens saying like you know the combine are your friends don't worry about it it's all it's all fine it's all good in this sort of orwellian dystopian oh way. yeah it's 1984 echoed. it's 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 yeah relevance yeah. can't be understated it, you know it's, it's, <laughs> absolutely it doesn't come off as contrived it's very uh it's it's very real and you can certainly yeah. see that happening in fact let's be honest we've seen it happen uh in the mm-hmm. world and it's just it's uh you know very uh very potent yes um, yeah it's oh it's so good i do i love this game i need to reinstall and play this game again I yeah just, I was, I you, you beat me to it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean my memories of this are the the look of the game for sure like the the city that you get to explore um a bit at the beginning um it's fantastic it's it's such a detailed city it's you know the, the like you say the art style is fantastic um and the physics they did i i guess the the big thing for this is the source engine um, mm-hmm. because what they did with that engine was absolutely fantastic so much so that you know it, it kind of powered half-life 2 and made it this amazing fantastic game with the, the great physics the great look and it was so powerful and good in fact that a bunch of other games then used it to to power you know their their visions not just from valve but also other people like you know the the modding community there's like gary's mod that uses it of course and like so, you said counter-strike i mean mm-hmm. it's unbelievable counter-strike is the big one yeah and that's the you know counter-strike is the big one i mean counter-strike existed before this of course and then um 
the source, so Counter-Strike Source was originally meant to just be a straightforward port, but from what I gather, it's it's much more detailed than that, right? So they, they added a bunch of stuff to it. Oh, yeah. yeah, and they, they even yeah. redid Half-Life 1 in Source. I mean, there, there's so... Black Mesa, I think it's called. Uh, there's so much that's been done. It, it's the, uh, let's call it the Half-Life box set, if there ever was one. So, yeah, it was, I mean, it's... This game is responsible for... I mean, you know, it's not the game per se, um, but the game is almost, you could say, is responsible for Steam. It's responsible for yep. a slew of other games that came out in the same engine that were that were popularized. But then it kind of also, after after that, it, it kind of brought an end to Valve creating games to an extent because they didn't really create anything beyond Source in terms of gaming. Right? It was. I mean, Valve Valve makes their money through selling hats on Steam and getting cuts of other developers' uh, revenue on Steam. So they don't. They're in the position where they can pick and choose what they want to make. Uh, mm-hmm. And I guess they're just taking their sweet time making whatever they're making. I mean, they they released Half Life Al- Alex uh, earlier this year, late last year. I don't remember exactly. But yeah, yeah after Half Life Two, it was you know it was Team Fortress Two, Portal, the Left 4 Dead games, and then dot dot dot. Really, there's not been. I mean, aside from Half Life Alex, that's been it. And I do, I do somewhat lament the uh, the ab- absence of Valve games because they are uh, they are incredible. But you know, they they. Digital distribution is a thing because of Valve, so it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to hold that against them. Well, the other heart heartbreaking part is Mark Laidlaw's uh, departure. Obviously, he kind of oh, yeah. put a cryptic version of Half Life Three on the internet, yeah. but if anyone was going to write it, you know, it had to be him. I mean, there's certain things where, you know, you gotta have the guy who who built it, you know, and he's mm. was a. Br- or is a brilliant writer, and uh, he, yeah. I, I hope yeah. if they ever did do a, a true Half Life Three, that he was he was the the man that you know in, in charge. All right, so I mean, I, I think I mean you've already kind of said where you're going. Game changer. Jordan, it was, yeah, oh, I, I, beat, beat me to the bush. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's not let's not beat it out of the bush. Yeah, it's a game changer. I think we all agree it is um, a game changing game. It had a lot of influence on gaming as a whole and the industry. Um, yeah, game changer. Then I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah. it can't possibly be anything less. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right, we'll we'll move on from those games, and we're going to have a, a a brief chat about any personal games. And you know, I've you know those are the games that I chose pretty much. I think the only one that I would uh, well, the only couple I'd mentioned besides that we've mentioned Killzone already, of course. Um, but also this year's also this year was Resident Evil Outbreak, um, and also Silent Hill for the Room. And being a huge fan of both of those franchises, uh, definitely worth a mention. Although we won't go into any detail about them. Yeah, and I'd also uh, say uh, Metroid Prime Two Echoes, which was a great follow up. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Um, speaking of um, of choices, Jordan, what what games would you have chosen for this year to talk about? Well, uh, I'd pick a game that was actually supposed to be an 03 release, uh, but at least the console versions were delayed until February of 04. We actually got, well, I'll give it away, effectively two Bond games in 04. You got GoldenEye Rogue Agent at the end of the year, which was pretty good. And to me, 007 Everything or Nothing, which I would say is the spiritual successor to Nightfire, which was another incredible original Bond game. Um, Paul DeMeo and Danny Bilson uh, are incredible writers they they wrote both of those they also did asian under fire the from russia with love one with connery later and um i even love world is not enough on n64 but let me get to it 
Uh, what made uh, Everything or Nothing great was they, you know, again, they created their own storyline like Nightfire, but they got they got Heidi Klum. They got Shannon Elizabeth mm-hmm. from American Pie. You all, of course, had Pierce and Judy Dench voice and likeness. John Cleese as R, who would, of course, uh, oh, yeah. replace the late, great Desmond Llewellyn as Q. You had Willem Dafoe as the villain. And, you know, whether it's Clear and Present Danger, Boondock Saints, the original Spider-Man movie. I mean, there's a hell of an actor there. Oh, The Hunter. I forgot. That's another great one. Um, with Willem Dafoe, they brought Jaws back, and as I mentioned earlier, I'm a huge uh, Spy Love Me Roger Moore fan. So, um, you know, just to what a cast, what a story. I loved how they used the Need for Speed engine for the driving sections, cars and motorcycles. Mm-hmm. My one of my favorite parts was rappelling down the burning building and shooting at guys. It, it was so Bond. I mean, to me, I like that even more than Die Another Day. Um, it was just, and same thing with Nightfire. I mean, to to me, those are Pierce's other Bond films. Uh, just great atmosphere, mm-hmm. a lot of fun, great writing. You know that wit, that charm, because he's the charmer, and uh, to me, he's the perfect blend of Connery and Moore, and even a little bit of Dalton. Um, just what a blast! What a, what a what a fun game. Didn't have uh, the competitive multiplayer that I always loved. Of course, Nightfire would be great with its first-person shooter multiplayer. This was a third-person one, akin to. Tomorrow Never Dies on PS1, which was good, but not on the same level as, say, GoldenEye. But uh, Everything or Nothing was just, uh, to me, a masterpiece and why I love gaming, why I love films, entertainment in general, because of how... Oh, they even had Maya do the theme song. I mean, they they, they, yes. they did everything, you know, and uh, it, mm. it was just a blast. Yeah, it's one of those really rare things where... Because usually if you do a... Uh, like a game based on a movie franchise it is based on a particular movie but for them to actually create their own story and have their own bond film essentially as a game i think that was definitely inspired and you, you reminded me about the rate of the driving sections they were fantastic i didn't even know they used the need for speed engine for that but that's that's amazing well, the, and the little devices that you could use as well as that little robotic the nanobots could, yeah the nanobots oh, yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that was, was just the great stuff. part about having you know EA as a publisher back then because you had access to the Need for Speed engine. To me, I think EA, at least at that time, deserves a lot more credit uh, with how well they did licensed titles because you know the Harry Potter games were great. Uh, Simpsons Road Rage, I know there's a little trouble. It was radical, but EA published it. I know there's a little trouble with Sega re Crazy Taxi, but that was a blast. They really knew how to do licensed titles. You could even go to the 90s with Jane's Combat Simulations. Uh, but regardless, EA later on, I think more so when Riticello took over, John Riticello, uh, they shied away from the license stuff. And while they had great games like Mirror's Edge and uh, uh, Dead Space, I think they actually did do a great job with licensed titles because, let's be honest, once Activision got a hold of the Bond license, I mean, you probably can't even mm-hmm. name the games they did. EA, I mean, mm-hmm. looking back on it, I hope people, you know, you know, at least tip their hats off to the old EA because uh, – Back, back in the day, they, they did a, uh, an amazing job. Awesome. And Nightfire sounds like one that I need to play because I never played that. Oh, but, um, Nightfire. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and I did like, I, I love the fact that they did their own Bond theme as well with everything or nothing. Um, it was it was good. Um, did you have any others that you wanted to briefly touch on? Well, do, do you guys? I mean, uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I can think of Unreal Tournament 2004, which I mentioned earlier, which was a blast. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm there's just, I'm probably missing some, but yeah. What do you guys, what do you guys have in mind? 
So I, I I played a fair amount of uh, UT two thousand four as well. That, that was great. It, was that was that the one where you could put your own custom soundtrack in there? You could drop your MP threes in the file directory and play them through the game. I, I can't remember if it was that one or maybe the previous or the next one. But I just have very fond mem- memories of playing that game in summer with my own custom soundtrack. Uh, really really good times. Um, uh, if you're a Hitman nerd like I am, Hitman Contracts came out this year. Oh um, yeah. Oh, that 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 game is is the newest Hitman games are 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 the best playing games, but Hitman Contracts is the perfect confluence of uh, really dark art style and music by Jesper Kidd, who has sadly never scored a hit, uh, Hitman game since. Oh no, he, feel... he did do uh, Blood Money. Um, and oh, that's me, right. Of course, yeah. He did. To me, I, I love uh, here, and I'll be brief. I love Silent Assassin, the storyline to everything. To me, I thought they perfected it with Silent Assassin. Then I loved Contracts. But I think Blood Money, as much as the newer games may be technically better, Blood Money to me was the perfection of the form. I'm a Hitman nut, uh, and I love Thief too. I really? love <laughs> Stealth. Yeah, I mean, Blood Money was just that, – that may be one of my favorite games. is probably one of my top favorite games of all time, uh, Blood Money. Just – just brilliantly executed again no pun intended. it is yeah yeah they 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 um because i mean the hitman games before this i love them but they're a little bit sort of rough around the edges uh particularly in the stealth system it's it's pretty unfair um i love silent assassin as well but it's it's not its stealth system is obfuscated and confusing and unfair um so blood money really nailed it and you 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 always know at all times whether or not you're going to be spotted and if you are spotted you know why so like they really did nail it and the soundtrack of blood money is great too um but there's just there's something about the look and feel of con contracts that i just i just absolutely love it the whole the whole game is a um 47 has been injured in a shooting and he's recovering in a ho- in a hotel room and he's thinking about his past hits and you're just playing out his past hits um, because it's raining outside in real life it's raining in every level that you play um in contracts and just the atmosphere is is just is brilliant oh yeah and i it, really love that game it's so dark and brooding uh you know yeah. uh, the you know the meat king the airport episode i, I love those I, I think if i remember right it's basically a retelling of the original codename it pretty much is uh, yeah. But yeah, it, it's oh yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I love. I mean, it's like uh, I'm trying to think how to put it, but yeah, it, it's definitely you know turning the the, the dark knob to you know, to eleven for sure. Yeah, and I, I really want Jasper Kid to come back. I still play the newest Hitman games, and I occasionally play the Contract soundtrack on Spotify at the same time, and it is perfect. <laughs> and I I just I want Jasper Kid to come back more than anything for that game series. I couldn't agree more, and and it's from an era too. Uh, hopefully, I can't remember if it's Idos or Edos. They had some of the greatest games of all time because around this time, they also had Thief: Deadly Shadows, which came out this year. I prefer the original Thief, but that was good too. Uh, but you know, you had Thief: Dark Project, Thief: To the Metal Age. Uh, they had the Legacy of Kane series, which was amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. Commandos, Tomb Raider, Omicron, The Nomad Soul. I mean, that was a publisher that knew how to make great, yeah. great games. And uh, mm-hmm. there's actually a guy I know that was there, uh, Rob Dyer, who's a friend of Bernie and mine. He's now COO at Capcom. Um, he was instrumental in that. And I, I told him uh, that that's probably my favorite game publisher of all time, for, especially for the period we're talking about, like you said, with Hitman mm-hmm. Contracts. Definitely. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get into Hitman until, and this is probably bad, but until uh, uh, Absolution. 
Um, and uh, <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not. It's, it's not, not as good as the others, but it's it is good. Bad. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I guess it was good for me because um, you know I was coming from a, a background of games that had stories, and I know. Pre- I mean, obviously, previous Hitman games had stories, but it was more to do with the playgrounds that you were in, and Absolution went more down the linear story path and mm-hmm. you know with smaller smaller areas and i really enjoyed it i liked it it was a great looking game i love the fact that they brought in little bits from their other games like the fact that you there's uh kane and lynch were in there um yeah because i love kane and lynch too um but anyway yeah and the newest ones are absolutely phenomenal but yeah i think i, I probably need to go back and play some of the older yeah io's an incredible developer and uh, yeah yeah just yeah it's another one again where it feels like you're in a movie and you kind of like the fact that hitman again is i mean he talks and i love his voice uh mm-hmm. the uh the original guy i'm blanking on his name but he, he's brilliant um bateson i think yeah david bateson i think that's, that's thank it. you yeah. uh you know i love that voice uh, uh what, what do you say names are for friends and i don't need any i, I mean he's yeah. just those lines are <laughs> done impeccably well uh but for the most part, he is pretty silent. And again, you can really immerse yourself like you are the hitman and, you, you know, you are 47. And, uh, yeah, just another – it's really atmosphere. I mean, if, the, if there's a theme today in these games we're playing, it's where you really feel you are the character and whether you want to embody, you know, the coolness, the suaveness of a 007 or the, you know, the brutal, uh, you know, just, you know, no mercy in 47 or just – you know, you, you really, uh, the, the immersiveness, I, I think that this this was probably one of the best time periods for that, where you didn't feel like you're playing a game, you are the game. Mm, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, I'll, I'll mention a few of this just before we go on to the quiz, um, just because I know that there'll be people out there who will go, why didn't you mention this game? I'm not going to talk about them, but I'll mention them. Um, so we had Red Dead Revolver. Oh, which is yes. Of the Red Dead Redemption series. Great uh, one. <laughs> We had the Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay. Um, we had Tales of Symphonia. Um, we had the Lord of the Rings, the Third Age, which was a, a great Lord of the Rings based game. So yeah, there was a lot of games this year. It was it was a really great year in gaming, um, and I think we've kind of shown that by just all these games. And the fact that there were great games that were overshadowed by greater games in this year is uh, I know, yeah, is, is very very telling. And awesome. for what it's worth, with Red Dead Revolver, uh, it's not even just a single player. That multiplayer was a blast, like having the gunfights. I, I, I love that one. Yes. Nice. Um, I don't think I played this one. I know you did, Steve, I think. But, yeah, I didn't play Red Dead Revolver, yeah. I didn't uh, play the, mul- the multiplayer, I don't think. But uh, that single player is mm. some, something else. Weirdly overlooked, that game. I mean, it had a weird, it had a weird development, um, but it was great. It was really good. Well, replay the split-screen multiplayer, too. I'm telling you, the, those gunfights were great. It, I should. I my should, brother yeah. and I would do that like all the time. It was awesome. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to move on to the last section, which is the quiz. So we do this every time. Uh, usually we'd have Rich here. Rich um, faces off against our guest um, in a game of, uh, well, it changes every time, but this time it's 2004 or 2014. Uh, so I'll give you um, each um, a game and you have to decide whether it was released in 2004 or 2014. Uh, it's, uh, it's easier than it sounds. Um, you'll each have three and whoever gets the most right is the winner. Um, if you tie, then we do have a tiebreaker. 
Now, normally Steve just kind of pitches in and I, I have a question for Steve at the end. Um, but Steve is taking Rich's place, of course, this time. So, Steve, it's all on your shoulders mm-hmm. as to whether Sorry, Rich, Rich continues his <laughs> run of good luck. I can't remember where we are. I think Rich is in the lead at the moment. I think it's something like... Um, not for long. No, not for long. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right, I'm going to just go for it. Um, so are we ready for this? I'm going to give you the name of the game. And all you have to tell me is whether it released in 2004 or 2014. And, um, and Got it? Just, just so I understand, it's, I, I, we're yeah. go, are we being asked individually or are we, it's whoever says it first? Uh, you're being asked individually. Ah, so okay, I'll, each, gotcha. I'll give you each a game and we'll go through them in, in order. Um, all right. Cool. I'm going to start. Cool. Steve, I'm going to go with you first. Mm-hmm. Ready for this? Yeah. Your game is Age of Wonders 3. Age of Wonders 3. That's such a, a nothing title that I just, I have absolutely no idea. Age of Wonders 3. Let's go, let's go 2004. 2004? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Jordan, just to check, what, what would you have said for this one? I think great minds think alike again. Steve, we're in it together. Cool. Um. Your minds aren't that great, unfortunately. Uh, it's uh, a PC game from 2014. So, we just said that great minds think alike. We didn't. We didn't say that we would be right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, hey, we are human. Fair enough. That's true. It's true. Um, so, Steve, uh, no point for that one. Um, Jordan, we'll move on to you. Okay. And your game is Jet Li: Rise to Honor. I think that's 04. I remember seeing it in stores. Hmm. Steve, you agree? Uh, yes, I do. Um, Jordan, you're right. It was a PS2 game released in 2004. Oh, cool. Perfect. Nice. Steve, back on to you. Let's see if mm-hmm. you can uh, get a point and Sorry and, again, and Rich. Level. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your game is Soul Fjord. Soul Fjord? Yep. As in F J O R D. Soul Fjord. <sighs> to that. This is a total guess. 2004. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Jordan, what would you guess? I, too, have absolutely no idea, but I'll go 2014. One of you's right, obviously, because it's got to be one of the other. (laughs) And uh, the person who's right, but won't score a point for it because it's not his question, is Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Released on the Ouya. Oh, of course. Everyone remembers that. That's not fair. You can't ask me a question about fucking Ouya games. Come on. (laughs) I just did, Steve. I just did. Um, outrageous. <laughs> outrageous indeed. So no points yet. Um, Jordan, let's see if we can get you two points. Okay. Um, your game is Rambo, the video game. I'm assuming 2014 because I know I'm, I'm not a big Stallone fan, but I know he had that remake in 06 mm-hmm. for Rambo. And this we're talking 04. And I think I remember hearing they decided to make one in 2014. It wasn't that good. So I'm good. Anyway, without boring you to death, 2014. <laughs> Steve, you agree? I mean, it's 2014. You're throwing Jordan the softballs, is what's happening here. I I, I, I didn't want to say it. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's Actually, I think they're pretty tough, but, you know, I yeah, have <laughs> yeah, It was 2014. PC 360 and PS2 um, this came to. Um, PS2, maybe PS3, I think I meant to write there. Um, yeah, 2014, so that's two points to Jordan. Zero to Steve, which technically means that Steve cannot win. Mm. Um <laughs> 
but we'll continue anyway just to see what we would get with. <laughs> just to make my humiliation uh, complete, we will see it through to the end. Pretty much, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Um, Steve, your next question. Um, Cartoon Network Block Party. Cartoon Network Block Party. Um, I This does not ring any bells at all. My logic mm. so far has been, if I don't remember anything about it, it must have been 2004. But that, lo- okay. that logic hasn't served me so well so far. And this okay. sounds like maybe it has online elements, which nudges me more towards 2014. So I'm going to say 2014. Jordan, what would you say for this one? Uh, can you guys actually hear me? Yes. yes. Okay, sorry. It's saying something weird like I uh, can't connect. Uh, well, I think Cartoon Network, its heyday was the early, mid-2000s. So I'm going to go over You're right. More. You're right. I fucked up. I fucked up that one. <laughs> uh, Steve, you really did fuck up. <sighs> it was a Game Boy Advance game God in 2004. Damn. damn. It definitely isn't as easy as it sounds, is it, this game? No, Not for me. No. <laughs> Uh, Jordan, your last question. Would Believe me, you're right. Um, I you got can... some easy ones. <laughs> don't, don't feel bad. Believe me. I, I, I'm sitting here going, oh, God, I'm glad I didn't get that one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you may not be saying that to the next question, Jordan. Uh, so your last question would have been this, uh, and it's a game called Under the Skin. Under the Skin, huh? I'm thinking this is almost a trick because I, I'm going to say 04. Steve? I'm also going to say 04. No, wait. Yeah, great. Oh. 14. Oh, Steve. I was almost going to say great minds do sometimes think alike, but you oh, don't because it was 2004. I could not have, I could not have messed that up more. <laughs> Can't we just edit that part out? We'll just, hey, we both had 04. <laughs> oh, you did it right. Um, <laughs> um, we've got two more questions just because we usually go through these anyway so congratulations Jordan you are the winner of the quiz oh thank you um little clap little clap um we'll go through these questions anyway so we have the tiebreaker which we don't need to use but hey let's just just see what we think anyway so the tiebreaker was leisure suit leisure suit Larry magna cum laude 1404 oh oh sorry I I know it because we remastered that for Codemasters who got the rights so I kind of cheated but I knew that one (laughs) <laughs> and yes you're totally right uh, PC, PS2 and Xbox 2004 wow um, sorry I, I right. just I, it, it just came out <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's a good job we didn't get down to the tiebreaker to be fair isn't it uh, <laughs> you, you definitely would have won <laughs> you've won anyway but yeah, there you go um, Steve we've also got the small matter of your question um, so we're trying to get you to do your own I mean you, you've done the whole quiz but we've got to do it anyway right so mm-hmm. Every time I give Steve his own question, because usually Rich does this, um, and um, if Steve can get... So he started midway through the... So we're doing 12 episodes. He started at six. I think you've got... I don't know how many you've got right. I haven't been keeping track. I'm going to have to go I mean, if today's only right. to go by. Yeah, not too well. Uh, not going <laughs> to get this one. Um, well, let, let's see. Let's not write you off yet, Steve. Um, so your question. Uh, let's see if you can get this right. Um, Mario Golf World Tour. Mario Golf world tour see 2014 feels recent but it wasn't that recent was it so this could very well have been a 14 game but i'm gonna say i'm gonna say 2004 may i uh uh, ask a question sure go for it you said world tour right Yes. Okay, because I'm guessing there was a game called Toadstool Tour on GameCube. I want to say that was 03, though. So 
I, I would think 14. Interesting. Okay. okay. Uh, Steve, I'm going to do the unthinkable here, or the things that I've not done. Do you want to change your answer? Or do you, do you want to listen to Jordan, or do you want to stick with your guns? Uh, I'm going to say 2014. <laughs> <laughs> Steve. Don't, don't, don't do it. Steve. What? It was a 3DS game that launched in 2014. Yes! <laughs> Redeemed! You, you, you had me worried there. <laughs> I was going to go, I'm so sorry, Steve. <laughs> yeah, you'd have had a lot to answer for, Jordan, if yeah. you got it wrong. Um, <laughs> awesome. Yes, you've got it right. Oh, my um, goodness. 2014. I thought I'd give you one. I had to give you yeah, one. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, I appreciate it. It's patronizing, <laughs> but I appreciate it all the same. <laughs> Well, there we go. Uh, Jordan, congratulations on winning the quiz. Well, thank um, you. Uh, Rich won't be happy, I'm sure. But, um, you know, the guests have to win sometimes. And, um, <laughs> you know, who better to win than you? It's, uh, it's, uh, you've got a great knowledge of games. So thank you. I've got to hand it to you. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I, I, I was a nerd. I, that's what, you know, well, we all are. But, you know, it's just, wow. you know, that's... Speak we, for yourself, we love Jordan. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're all nerds. Um, total nerds. Um, so... I guess that brings us to the end of the show. Um, it's been fun. Thank you both. That yes. was really good. Oh, Thanks it was lot, amazing. Was Thank you. That was a, a ton of fun. And if I may, uh, since we brought up Leisure Suit Larry, Magna Cum Laude, and, and Codemasters, I mm -hmm. uh, just want to give a shout out to Rod Cousins, who was CEO there for a while, was also at Acclaim UK, another great guy that I met through Bernie. Um, he was incredible. Um, we reached out to him. I think it was eight, he's in the UK like you guys we reached out to him mm -hmm. eight in the morning my time I think we had a signed contract by noon when we were working I mean he was wow. just I, I, I know I've said this a million times already heart of gold but really good guy wanted to make sure I, I <laughs> shouted out to him he by the way uh, he he's really cool where he lives there's a rock club right nearby where the stones or Eric Clapton will come in to jam and I mean, it, it's like a dream come true for me. Haven't been, would love to, but uh, he's told me some pretty cool stories. So uh, just great guy, knows a lot about music, games, and um, yeah, just want to shout out to him. Amazing. Amazing. Sounds like you really need to go to that club. Oh, sure. big time. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking too. one of the craziest things is the Stones, as much as they're unbelievable musicians, and everyone knows Mick's mm -hmm. a, a business genius, you know, uh, London School of Economics, um, you know, really more the Austrian theory, which is what I love about economics. But on top of that, Bill Wyman pretty much invented the fretless bass. Uh, Keith Richards invented the idea of cutting a hole in the amp and putting a microphone in. I mean, just it's incredible <sighs> if you look into what all those guys have done. So um, just, yeah. you know, when you look at business and entertainment, there's there's some real geniuses out there. Wow. Amazing. Well, it's been really fun to have you on and uh, lots of facts and info that I guess not everybody would know. So it's going to be an interesting <laughs> listen for everybody to pick up on all that stuff, which is going to be great. And uh, yeah, everybody should head over and look at um, all the projects that uh, Jordan has on the go. Have a look at Zoom platform. Um, lots of awesome games on there to play. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much. Um, Steve, mm. um, where can people find you if they so choose? People can find me on Twitter at Steve Jack and they can also find me at the Crossplayers as well. 
yeah, you can find me there too. Um, you can find me at Odd84 and, of course, at Dreamcast Years for all of this stuff. Uh, Jordan, do you want to just remind us whereabouts we can find you again? Well, before I do, I want to uh, say thank you again to you guys and congrats, Andrew, as well on uh, Dreamcast Year 2. I'm very much looking forward to it and I'm really glad, uh, you know, I mean, I was looking at all. You got Sharnock back, uh, Stephen L. Kent, who we mentioned earlier. Yes. Uh, I mean, just awesome guy. Oh yeah, everybody. I mean, it, it, it's I I I think you're. It's going to be one of those sequels. It's even better than the original. So hmm. uh, I'm so. looking forward to it and looking forward to completing the collection. Uh, yes. But uh, in terms of me, yes. Uh, please find us at zoom-platform.com. Uh, eventually, hopefully, we'll you know be able to get just zoomplatform.com that's a long story there uh but um yes uh and you can find us on twitter and facebook really we're, we want to push the discord though you can go to it it's in the top left of the website i should also mention uh the the website we have's pretty old um the whole idea of it when we launched the platform was look we're not going to get as many eyeballs as steam but at least the margins will be will be better mm. but uh, we've since mm -hmm. grown it quite a bit and we'll be launching a brand new website which looks leaps and bounds better hoping to put that out actually in, at the end of the month i'm not sure when this is going to be released but uh, when i say end of the month i mean september so mm -hmm. looking forward to that and if you want to find me on instagram it's uh, jordan freeman j-o-r-d-a-n-f-r-e-e-m-a-n 2201 and again thank you both very much uh, steve and andrew it was awesome it was thank you thank you very much it thank was you, awesome yeah. to have you on and um yeah, that's great. And we'll speak to you soon, hopefully. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I hope you guys uh, have me again. I'd, I'd, I'd love it. That would be a Absolutely. pleasure. That would be a pleasure. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. And um, until next time, keep dreaming. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>